0: I'm rapidly reaching the point where I am ready to get rid of social media altogether. Bring on the unconstitutional laws to break it up. It's gotten to the point where you can't have a rational discussion about anything. Nothing. Without someone calling someone else a racist, a misogynist, a sexist, a fill-in-the-blank phobe, you're something phobic, a Nazi, whatever we've gotten to the point where there's no, there's no discussion anymore of anything. And of course, this was on full display this past week when sitting here, minding my business as I often do. I was asked by someone what my opinion was, my opinion. Dave, what's your opinion about the Juneteenth federal holiday? Now, Look, I've been around long enough to know a setup question when I hear it. This question was asked by somebody who expected me to say what they wanted me to hear, what they wanted me to say, because that's what they wanted to hear, knowing full well that that would then turn into a, you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're a fill in the blank phobe conversation. And so they were a little taken back with me when I my response to the question was, I'm fine with Juneteenth being a federal holiday. I don't have a problem with it at all. In fact, quite frankly, I'm surprised it took this long. Because there weren't any federal holidays in June. And the way federal holidays are handed out sometimes, you would have kind of expected... I, I, I'm still surprised that there's not a federal holiday in every month of the year. But... Juneteenth comes along and now we have a federal holiday in Juneteenth. I was bemused by the medical people who canceled their emergency meeting. Again, this isn't about the vaccine, but there were some reports of some problems with the vaccine causing some heart issues. And so they called an emergency meeting for Saturday the 18th of a bunch of these medical people. So get that. They're having them come in to work on a Saturday or a Zoom meeting on a Saturday. They canceled the emergency meeting because of the Juneteenth holiday, which literally had not existed two hours before they canceled it. So it's kind of like, well, it must not be much of an emergency. You were willing to call people in on a Saturday, but not on Juneteenth, which speaks more to the reality of the situation, which is that they didn't want to appear or risk being called racist sexist, misogynist, Nazis, or fill-in-the-blank phobic. It was less about anything else. The reality of it is, Juneteenth is a, it's an American holiday, folks. It should be. It should be something that everybody celebrates. I'm not really sure why we don't, other than there has been a long history in this country of ignoring things that somehow or another don't fit a certain agenda. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Fine. I get it. If you've never been to a Juneteenth celebration, I will tell you that you're missing out. I've been to one. I hadn't planned to go to it. I was with a good friend of mine who happens to be African-American and (laughs) likes to eat. And we were contemplating where to get something to eat. And he said, I know. And I said, really? He said, yeah, there's a Juneteenth celebration down at the park. So we went. And again, I was pretty much the only white guy there. But you know what? I was treated like I was family. I was treated like I was friend. Food was delicious. The spirit was amazing. The celebratory attitude was out of this world. It was nothing that I would have been worried about being at. Nothing that I felt uncomfortable at. And given the importance of the day, it was something that I felt proud to be a part of. And I ate way too much because it was really good food. The history of Juneteenth is something that every American should know. By now, I'm sure, because the media has flooded us with the story of Juneteenth, you know that it was that day that the Union general, Major General George Granger, arrived in Galveston, Texas, at the close of the American Civil War, where Texans, Southern Texans who slave who owned slaves, had ignored the Emancipation Proclamation and had ignored the outcome of the war, which had ended, you know, a couple months before that and continued to hold slaves. When Granger got there, he made it clear that that was not going to happen anymore. He marched around the city of Galveston, reading his own proclamation at various places in the city to make make it clear that slavery was no longer tolerated. Now again, this was 1865, And we were still operating under what was essentially, as Nancy Pelosi once pointed out, an executive order, the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation had some, it it, it obviously has a great deal of meaning to us as Americans. It obviously has deep emotional connection to us. And it obviously influenced the American Civil War. It changed the war from a war about succession to a war about a moral issue that needed to be resolved. To that end, I think it accomplished its purpose. But again, because it's an executive order, it does not have the binding power of law, cannot be enforced where the government can't project power. And most importantly, it could be overruled by states and or... The next president, which by this point was Andrew Johnson. If he decides that this executive order is no longer in play, then... And the thing to keep in mind that is on June 19th, 1865, as Granger read his proclamation, the thing to keep in mind is that there were two states that, actually, yeah, two states, Kentucky and Delaware, that were slave states that were still part of the Union. And Even when George Granger read his Emancipation Proclamation, his version, on Juneteenth, it did not apply to those two states. Slaveholders in those two states, because the way the Emancipation Proclamation is worded, were still slaves. Do you follow that? Most people don't know that. They They don't make that connection. It isn't until the 13th Amendment comes along a year later and outlaws slavery and indentured servitude that slavery is actually legally fully abolished. But this celebration in Texas where George Granger, who is a remarkable man, again, we part of what I'm going to say here is we don't know our own history. And part of the problem that we find ourselves with is because we don't know that history, we misinterpret things and misapply them. And instead of looking at Juneteenth as this black-white issue, this Independence Day for Black America versus July 4th Independence Day for White America and never the tweens shall mix, is caused by our own ignorance on every side. George Granger was a competent, if not excellent, Union Army officer. He was a cavalryman. He was one of those guys that moved around during the war. He was assigned to different theaters during the war. He had been under John Pope during the uh, during that disaster. He had been under McClellan in Ohio when they uh, overran what would eventually become West Virginia. He was a staff officer under General Nathaniel Lyon, which is important to me because of the Battle of Wilson's Creek, where my great grandfather participated. He was the commander of the 2nd Michigan Cavalry Regiment, and eventually he served in the Army of the Mississippi, Battle of New Madrid, Siege of Corinth, and finally took command of the Army of Kentucky. What he's most famous for, though, happened on September 20th, 1863, a little less than two years before what he's most famous for, (laughs) Juneteenth, happened. In fact, if he doesn't do what he did on September 20th, 1863, exactly 100 years before I was born, there may not have been a Juneteenth at all. The battle at Chickamauga was going horribly bad for the Union, horribly bad. The Union army was being beaten, it was being driven back from the field, and was in grave danger. And because of a tactical error that was made by a local commander, the Union center, the line in the Union, uh, was gone. He he thought that he had been told to move, so he got his entire division up and left, and just left a hole in the Union lines that the Confederates exploited. And they drove the Union almost from the field. But there was one hill in the center of the battlefield— Horseshoe Hill, where a guy by the name of George Thomas, General George Thomas, circled his troops up and said, Here's where we're stopping. He would go on to become known as the Rock of Chickamauga. And his men held that, held that uh, that, that hill all day against attack after attack, wave after wave after wave of attack they held out, but they were they were getting stretched then. They were getting low on ammo. They were getting less and less men. They were taking heavy casualties. George Thomas, by the way, is a Virginian. He's not a Yankee. He's a Virginian who understood what this whole war was really about. And he spent his entire career not being fully trusted by the Union Army until this day came when he held Horseshoe Hill. And when the moment came... When everything was at the the absolute tipping point, we have to make a decision. Are we going to stay or are we going to go? Do we retreat? Do we hold? They took the binoculars and they swept them around the the hill to their rear, where suddenly there was a huge group of troops approaching. And it was unclear whose troops they were. It was most likely that they were Confederate troops because— that's the way the, the battle was going. Well, it turned out to be the Reserve Corps, led by George Granger, who had disobeyed orders given by the Army commander, a guy by the name of Rosecrans, and taken his entire Army Corps, C O R P S, to support George Thomas at Chickamauga. Now, technically, the Union lost the battle. Technically. But strategically, everybody knew that the Confederacy had lost a chance to annihilate the Union Army. And in doing so, maybe extended the war a little bit, but clearly did not win. And George Granger's effective leadership at Chickamauga earned him promotions. It it, it earned him honors. It earned him the thanks of Congress and it would eventually lead to him being sent to Galveston, Texas to give his order that hey, slavery's done folks. You are no longer slaves. You are henceforth and forever free. No matter what these Texans tell you. And I got the proof right here. Kaching. The fact that we're here is the proof. Texas, like I said, had pretty much ignored the Emancipation Proclamation. And after George Granger gave his order on Juneteenth, they pretty much ignored that too. And in what can only be considered the birth of Jim Crow-type laws, they continued to try and hold slaves. They continued to harass what were now known as freedmen. And if they didn't like the attitude of the freedmen on the streets, they would arrest them. And they couldn't put them in jail because the army would have come and got them. But what they would do is they would take them and and make them work for the city for nothing, treating them just like slaves. A year later, the first Juneteenth celebration happens in Galveston. We're told that nearly 30,000 people, attended Juneteenth celebrations across Texas that first year. And they have continued throughout the year. See, this is is the myth in all of this, is that there's some sort of thing today that says this is something that has been suppressed. It, It never was suppressed. It's just something we didn't pay attention to. You didn't, I didn't, most of America didn't. I've sat here in this office for four years now. And I guarantee you, this is the first year it's ever been mentioned on my local news, ever, that I've been here. Now, of course, I knew about it because I'm a Civil War guy, and I'd been to one of these. But the truth of the matter is that Juneteenth has been an integral part of the African-American experience and celebration since 1866. There are numerous stories about various celebrations and growing up and how how wonderful some of these celebrations were. And there are bad celebrations. In 1981, in one of the earliest modern incidents of police lack of accountability, three black teens were killed by police at a Juneteenth celebration, and no one was held accountable. To this day, no one has been held accountable for it. There are many black Americans who will tell you that when they watched what happened last summer, they drew a direct line from 1981, Mejia, Lake Mejia, to, to George Floyd. And they see that. We don't because we, we don't pay attention to this history, folks. My problem, my issue, if I had one at all, with Juneteenth has nothing to do with the fact that we have it or that it's a a federal holiday. I have no issue with that at all. I really don't. I mean, yeah, my wife works for the federal government, so it's another paid holiday. Yeah, it's another day I don't have to get a bunch of junk mail. Beyond that, what we do with it becomes, well, it really becomes to the individual, doesn't it? Whether we treat it as a commercialized holiday or whether we treat it as something where we contemplate history and our history and how these things worked and, and what they should be and what they shouldn't be is really up to each individual, isn't it? My issue with it isn't that at all. And this is what kind of upset the person I was chatting with who has now blocked me because didn't want to hear this. My issue with it is not that it's not another federal holiday. My issue is that as it's presented to us, and I, I, look, I've watched the, the news for the last week, so have you. As it's being presented to us, it is not being presented as inclusive. And one of the things this person said to me was, you don't even know what Juneteenth is. And instead of saying, yes, I do, because that's just arguing, I said, okay, tell me what it is. And she said, Juneteenth is the day that the Union troops marched into Galveston. And said we are free. And I sent back to her, "Say that again, real slowly." What do you mean, Dave? I said, "Say that again, real slowly." It's the day the Union troops marched into Galveston and told slaves that they were free. So my problem with with Juneteenth isn't that it's a holiday. In fact, I think it should be. I think, though, that we need to expand that. And we need to remind ourselves that freedom is never free. There was an enormous cost to be paid. Yes, slaves paid an enormous cost. And I understand that. 300,000 Union troops helped pay that cost, without which and without the efforts of people like George Granger, maybe there wouldn't be a Juneteenth. 300,000 Union troops, including, by the way, two of my great-grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers, who heard the words of President Lincoln that all men should be free, all men are brothers, that it's appalling... That one group of men thinks that they should own another. And we have been given this great mission to do away with that. And they could have said, not my problem. They could have turned their heads and said, why do I need to worry about it? Let's just pass a law. But instead, they raised their hands, they joined the army. And they served our nation. And our nation sacrificed enormously in treasure, in time, and in blood to free the slaves. Why can't we all celebrate that on Juneteenth?